look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Faisal. How about you? Happy long weekend. You too. Labor Day. Yep. Yeah. It's time to reset. Kids Feel- are back at school. Feels weird. Why? No Labor Day Classic. Well, that is weird. Yeah. That's that's really weird. Yeah. That is, you're right. I like, thought about that. Normally too. on a Friday yep. before yep. the the Labor Day, the the staff in the office wear their stamps gear. The odd yeah, Edmontonian sticks their head out. <laughs> Risks life and limb. Risks life, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it feels weird. It feels weird that, uh, you know, it's different. It's We're missing something in the city. Um, and I think a lot of people are missing. Like I, We talked last, last week mm-hmm. about, you know, I'm not going on any trips anywhere out of the country, so I miss that. There's a lot of things that we're missing on when it comes to the, this market. I'm sorry, this, this, this whole crisis and pandemic. Um, it's made a change, right? Yeah. I was it was happy to, like, my girls were back, yours were back, too, to school a little bit earlier than mine. But mm-hmm. the, that routine, they seem to like their friends. I mean, I hope uh, with all the protocols can uh, keep them there. But that was, it felt a bit normal, right? That yeah. routine felt a little bit, not necessarily getting them there and what they had to do. Yeah. But, but the, the first fact that they're three at or school, four days were stressful yeah. for the parents. Yeah. Because we were told to stay the heck away from the school, and yeah, yeah. you can't, you know, hold your kid's hand and walk them in, so you kind of miss those routines. Yeah. But it was nice to. It was the most wonderful time of the year, is what I was singing as <laughs> as they were getting out of the car. <laughs> That's fair, actually. Yeah, I know. Forget it, Christmas. Yeah, it's first is, day of school. Go. Get out. <laughs> Fantastic. Get out. Go. Well, you weren't alone. I'm go sure get educated. Lots well. of parents singing that song right now. That's right. <laughs> you planted that. We can't get it out of our heads now. <laughs> Um, what, okay. So let's, uh, we've got a good show today. We want, we want to talk a little bit about, um, we, we talk about innovation and we talk about technology and the role it's going to play as people get older. We're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I think we have to keep abreast of, of how, you know, how technology is going to help us yeah. right? We, as we age. One thing that's come up is, do you think Canadians and Canadian investors know more or less about their investments than they used to? Uh, I'm going to say more. Okay, so we're going to get the results of a brand new study yep. talking about how much more do they know if they do, right? what do they know, and what, what's still missing. Right. I think there's a lot of information, and I th- I'll call it transparency to some degree, is not there as I'd like to see it, maybe how you'd like to see it. How we do it in our practice is people are shocked when, when we go through the whole process of, of transparency of what they're investing in and how much it costs and everything. And no one's ever sat down with them and done that before, and mm-hmm. nor was that an expectation of theirs. Yeah. Transparency is the key word, Faisal, when you use that, uh, I think, because I, I struggle a little bit with, with education. Um, o- only in this respect is, listen, you know, not everybody want, is interested in this stuff, right? And so there's a, there's, there, we have to somehow define what a, what a basic understanding is versus, you know, below that. Everybody should have some basic understanding so yeah. that they're... You know, informed enough to be able to ask the right questions. But let's face it. I mean, I'm not a mechanic. I drive a car every day. If you asked me to fix the engine, I wouldn't even know where to start. I'd probably look in the trunk. Probably. Yeah. So <laughs> that doesn't preclude me from buying a car and driving a car and doing those things. So there's transparency is really important. And yeah. I think that's where we've got to drive to. And so we'll see. From this report, I, I think there'll be improvements, but we'll see. What a very interesting week we've had in the markets. Love it. 
I do love it. Yeah. In the last two days of this week, we saw quite a bit of volatility. Let's call it at some point in the in on Friday, we were the markets were down seven percent in two days. Hmm? You had a label for it. You called it the tech wreck. Yeah, I, I was reporting on that on Friday. I did a piece, and I said, is this the next tech wreck, right? Because the names that let us up, the technology names, are the ones that were leading us down and creating the highest volatility during that period. Mm -hmm. okay. Is this another tech wreck? Right? Should people be running for the hills? Should they? Well, I mean, we don't think so. We think it's a, you know, we talk about this, of course, every day, all day long, but <laughs> it's about structure and discipline, right? Uh, will there be some wrecks along the way, whether it's technology or not? Yeah. Do you want to avoid those? Try your best. Yeah. Are there opportunities? Yes. Will the market misprice things? Yes. Right. So will the will the markets ever price it right? No. They never do. No. Right. There has to be a buyer and seller on every transaction in the market. So somebody right. is bullish, somebody's bearish on every transaction. Yeah. So somebody gets it wrong. Right. Every time. And there's and there's some there's some extenuating circumstances, and people have to remember this, right? I, I was watching the momentum. On Thursday and Friday, um, you know, as I was reporting uh, the news, the financial news, and you could kind of see the momentum. And it's not just about the fundamentals. The short-term fundamentals can go out the door, right? You've got algorithmic trading, which is momentum trading. Yep. You could see that those days. Oh, yeah. Right? We've got this whole Robin Hood experiment that's taking place with people that are in the market that shouldn't be there. And, the, you know, they're not trading on fundamentals. They're not trading on anything. They're trading on momentum or what a chart says it's going to do maybe some tech maybe at best so you've got to be very careful i love mr market yeah because mr market has the ability and this is a benjamin graham concept here um mr market will will bring you in with open arms mm -hmm. and throw you out as quickly as possible yep. and there are people that should not be in the markets because of their circumstance situation and when these markets fall, mm -hmm. oh, panic sets in, mm -hmm. and they run. Yep. Yep. And I love those opportunities. Right. And if we continue to see a slide in this market, mm -hmm. both U.S. and Canadian stock markets. Yeah. Or European included, right? Well, European hasn't been impacted as, not as much. Bad. Not as bad. Still down, but yep. not as much, yep. which is interesting from why... U.S. is falling the way it has in the last couple of days of when the markets were open. Yeah. The, the interesting part about this is when people run and sell good companies for the most ridiculous reasons, I love it. Sure. When emotion's high, we make money. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have the patience to, to go through the cycle. But here, here's, I want to go back to something we talked about two or three weeks ago. Rant on this a little bit again. We talked about um, the lottery win, the COVID lottery win. Yes. How quick the recovery was. And if you were uncomfortable, you have a chance to reset. I'm wondering how many people took advantage of that. Because what if this was a 10 days? Well, so we I'll had 10 days straight up. What if I'll we had tell you slide? from the markets how much of assets were taken out of the high risk, big losses during the COVID crisis that haven't recovered and how much of that volume has been taken out? Not much. Right. They're holding on. Hope. Well, their hope, that's, that's what their number one driver in investing is hope it works about. Okay. Hope's not a strategy. It's never been a strategy. <laughs> it shouldn't be a strategy. Right. It shouldn't be a strategy. And, and that's when you start to see 
some of these big impacted companies. I'm talking, they fell 40, 50, 60% in the markets. And you don't see an, a, a major volume pull out of those companies. Mm. That means no, and they're not buying. There's not like there are people are throwing money into it. They're stuck. And people are sitting on hope saying this company will come back. Right. Or the, this industry will come back. Right. Which tells me that the average retail investor, we break it down to who's been trading all this stuff, the average individual Canadian has not re-looked at this free lottery win and said, I better restructure, I better have some proper discipline, right. and I got to move it forward. It's just not happening. Yeah, I, that's that's my fear. Um, and let's listen, we don't know how, if this continues after the long weekend, if it was a sell-off into the long, who knows what this is going to be, right? Who but knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, could be up, could be down. I'm not going to keep harping on this, but it's time to look. Take a look. This is a you called the lottery win on the upside. Yeah. I'm calling this a, a lottery win on the downside yeah. now. Yeah. It's an eye-opening opportunity for everybody transitioning to or living in retirement to say, wait a minute, 7% in two days. Right. Can I tolerate this? Is this right for my future? Right. And I've talked to many individuals saying, okay, we should cash in our chips. Like this is a bet. Like we're at the casino. Yeah. There's no structure, no discipline when you want to cash in and when you want to go all in. Right. That sounds like poker. Yep. Yeah, no, it does. You're right. And it's treated it's treated often like that. And it's not. Right. And the short term deviations the market has don't often reflect the fundamentals. And I love our structure and discipline approach to our five pillar investment strategy because when these types of volatile times come, we can actually see the benefits of it because of the way we've structured mm -hmm. it. So and that's what we're going to talk about at our at our webinar on Tuesday, September 22nd, 7 p.m., live online. You need to go on our website to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. What's the latest technology that we can rely on to help us as we age? Let's talk about that after the break here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We've got to talk about uh, more than money or maybe what money can do for you as you get older through technology. Yeah. Right? Because we talk about technology a lot. You and I both believe that it's going to play a very uh, active, important role. And we've seen this in different countries around the yeah. world who have a aging population probably yeah. in, in more severe stages than ours is and what they've done. Uh, and I'm speaking of countries like Japan, yeah. Yeah. you know, Europe. Yeah. What they're doing to help not only aging, but aging with also other illnesses like dementia. Yeah. And it's a very interesting, and I think that's the future for this demographic um, and how to, how to work with that. And so I'm glad we have a couple of guests on our show talking about this. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, welcome Samantha Sandasi, who's a PhD education and training program manager at AgeWell. And we've had AgeWell on as a group before. And we've also... Got an award-winning uh, recipient, Noelana Neubauer, who's a recent PhD grad from the U of A, now going to U of Waterloo. I want to welcome you both to the show. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Samantha, I think we'll start with you if we can. Um, I'd like you maybe just to, to tell us a little bit about the program here. And I'm, I'm interested uh, if you'd explain sort of the training and the, the, you know, the training of future innovators to help make a difference in our lives or, you know, as we age. Absolutely. So as part of AgeWell, as part of our, our national network, we have quite a large training program that has over 1,000 graduate students, postdoctoral fellows, 
and early career researchers around Canada and globally actually involved in learning a little bit more about uh, how to engage with older adults and Mm -hmm. and caregivers uh, throughout their research and also how to do things that you don't usually get in your academic training. So things like knowledge mobilization, that is to say, uh, speaking to the public, speaking to policymakers, flipping your research into policy recommendations, and also commercialization so that the products that are developed as part of your research actually make it out there into the real world and onto shelves. You'll be able to find things that shop as drug marts and best buys and things like that. So our, our program is a mix of experiential education. So there's lots of mentorship and internship opportunities, as well as, of course, funding as well. Nolana, a congratulations on receiving the award. Thank you very much. So tell us about the the research and the award that you got. So I received uh, the Ageville Postdoctoral Award in Aging and Technology. Um, And so this award allows me to um, continue on on a project that I did as part of my doctoral thesis at the U of A. Um, So my area focuses on persons with dementia that are at risk of getting lost and going missing. Um, What we've come to learn is that this population is very quickly becoming the number one population that is being reported missing to our police. And with COVID, um, what we've been finding is that more and more seniors and, of course, care partners are becoming stressed because of the different restrictions that are being placed on this population. And so from talking to different police officers from across the country, I've been learning that while there's an increase already in this population um, going missing, it's been increasing even further just as a result of COVID. And with me being um, based out of Edmonton, um, I know the prairie winters, um, they're very unforgiving. And when we're dealing with this missing population, it's not a matter of finding them in a day or two. When we're dealing with that minus 50 spurt that we had last January, it's a matter of finding them in a couple minutes. And so there's a huge rush to be able to find them as soon as possible. And while there's some strategies that have gone out there to try to keep this population safe, we can think of the different locked dementia units, and even more recently, we can think about GPS devices. Really, people don't understand all the strategies that are there to keep them safe, um, specifically where they're more proactive or we're able to predict that they're at risk of getting lost. And so there wasn't really a guideline out there that existed. So a lot of people were waiting until the person went missing before they started to implement something. So I developed a guideline during my PhD, and this award is going to allow me to carry it even further. Um, I'm going to be able to digitize it further, be able to make it more interactive, have different videos. And as what Sam had mentioned, really trying to push it out there, getting it to be used across the country, and even using a consortium that I co-founded and trying to get it into other countries around the world. So there's a lot of potential impact in this project. So, Nolana, I uh, I have a mother um, in a long-term care facility with dementia, and I mm-hmm. lay awake at night on many nights thinking that, you know, I might get that phone call that she's missing. So do tell. I want to hear a little bit more about the detail of what your guidelines are. What do you, what do you, what have you discovered? So what I've discovered with this guideline, so there's a lot of strategies. During my PhD, I came to learn that there's more than 300 different types of strategies. From the really high-tech stuff, you want to think about like AI, GPS, even something as low-tech as writing on a sheet of paper in your hand where you're going. This is some of the different strategies that people with dementia are actually using across the country. And I was able to synthesize it and put it into a guideline based on different risk levels. You want to make it as simple as possible so you can just look at a two-pager and help you decide, okay, what risk level is this person with dementia at? And what strategies can I use to keep myself or my loved one safe? Um, so from as low risk as I was just diagnosed, or even I'm an older adult myself, 
um, all the way down to you're missing. What needs to be done? Do I need to call the police right away? What are some different numbers I need to contact? All of them are embedded in a two-pager. And it's comprised of three different versions because I'm aware that people with dementia, they live in very different aspects. So I have one that was developed for um, for the community them- themselves as well as for long-term care facilities and even one for persons living with dementia. Because really, when we look at the different resources that are available, very few are actually available to this population, which for my the last couple of years in this area is quite fascinating. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. S- Sam, this is fantastic. The awards that have been have been sent out, so forth. Um, what's the total amount of awards that you guys have been passing out? Uh, so for this year, um, it's about three hundred and eighty thousand uh, dollars worth for twenty one different awards across Canada. In the past five years, we've actually funded about one hundred and fifteen different trainees through just this program, and about six hundred uh, trainees total. Uh, in the past five years. And there's been some matching of these dollars to some degree as well. Yes, there has. So there's been a fair bit of uptake across uh, different uh, community and and industry groups as well as other research groups that are recognizing that pooling our our resources is really uh, a great bet into getting our trainees, our students really um, able to focus on this type of research. So this year, we've had some interest from some provincial health bodies, as well as some other research institutes as well. Ladies, I think we have to uh, shut it down. We have to go to a com- commercial break here right away. But first of all, Samantha, I want to thank you and AgeWell for all of the work and the funding and the research and structure that you um, that you as a group generate. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, certainly with an aging demographic, I think this is really important work to do. And Nolana, I want to congratulate you on on your award, and we want to wish you all the success in helping to uh, you know further that research. Uh, dementia, unfortunately, is a is a, and is an affliction that affects so many uh, so many Canadian families. So thank you both very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. You know, Faisal, it's um, it's this is going to be ongoing, right? Um, whether we're dealing with with a specific health issue in technology or whether it's just a quality of life issue, using robots to help you around the house because your mobility, whatever the case may be, right? Technology is going to continue to be front and center. And we think it, and it's, it's critical to give the kind of care, the needs, take care of the needs that we're going to have as And Canadians. as simple as, as, as it sounds, I know it's a lot of work, but Nolana's two-pager. Yeah. It's amazing how many people don't know what to do. Right. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd have to go and research it. Well, I couldn't certainly come up with uh, 10 of the 300 strategies, apparently, she knows. And I have a mother with dementia, yeah. so that, that that's important work. So, so that's fantastic, and, and I love that. So thanks to both of them for coming on our show. And, you know, as, as we age, we want to make sure that we are taken care of, our yeah. health care is taken care of. It's a quality of care. Correct. And so that's why we have these guests on our show to talk about the quality of care. And no one has said it's going to be free. They're all saying at some point you're going to be paying out of pocket. So how do you structure your retirement to not only live the lifestyle you want, but also have the quality of care as you're aging? We're going to discuss that on our seminar Tuesday, September 22nd, 7 p.m., live online. So you need to register. Go to our website, morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. Are you sure you know what you're invested in? Well, we're going to talk with the Alberta Securities uh, Commission about that after the break. Stick around. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Excuse me, Faisal. We, uh, you know, we started this show 10 years ago as an effort to educate. 
yeah. educate the public about all kinds of things related to retirement, right? Correct. Not just stocks and bonds, but everything. And we've got a terrific guest today. And, um, it, you know, there's some research uh, been over, done over the last three or four years, five years, talking about have Canadian investors become more knowledgeable over that time, right? About their investments. About their investments. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we want to dissect that a little bit and, and then also help people understand if they're working with an advisor or looking at advisor, a new advisor, what should they ask? How do they educate yeah. themselves on what kind of advisor they should be working with? At the top of the hour, uh, we, were, we were talking at the beginning of the show about transparency. Yeah. And how our industry has some degree of transparency. I think there's a lot more that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you, you know, it comes down to what individual investors experience and then it actually change happens when they start making complaints and they make complaints to one group uh, in particular is the Alberta Securities Commission. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we want to bring them on board about, you know, some of the things that they've seen with the survey, with the way the change of behavior and understanding of the average investor and what should we be asking? We as investors or as individual right. Canadians should be asking advisors before we actually put a dime of our money in. Well, we've, um, who's going to help us understand that is uh, Hillary uh, McMeekin, who's the Director of Communications and Investor Education at the Alberta Securities Commission. Hillary, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So there was, uh, you know, the Canadian securities regulators did publish a research on uh, things like investor knowledge and attitudes and behavior. And let's just maybe start at a very high level. Uh, how are Canadians doing? How much do they know about their investments? We've seen improvement. Um, I mean, I, I will say sort of stepping back, if you don't mind, just this yeah. picture, the, the research. So um, we're constantly, we being the ASC and our other counterparts in the Canadian Securities Administrator, CSA, have been working to make investing more user friendly for Canadians. And we made some changes in 2016 to some rules. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to see whether or not the requirements within those rules around the client relationship model and point of sale had made some, had made some, had helped both investors and the industry. Uh, and that was the purpose of that research that you're talking about. And, and overall, we found that Canadians have a better understanding of the impact of fees on investment returns. And there was a particularly strong improvement in reported understanding of the impact of fees on investment, bigger picture investment returns. So Albertans, in, in fact, what I loved about this was Albertans had a significant increase in positive responses, recognizing the importance of comparing investment returns and, and returns on other similar types of investments. In other words, really getting to know your investments and understanding them. And we jumped from 80% in 2016 to 88% in 2019. So that's that's a fair big jump, which is great. That was good news, um, really, for Albertans. Yeah. Um, and the province, with, we were the province with the highest 2019 results um, in terms of investors who reported discussing fees with their advisor before their purchase which is another great fact because that conversation is oh so important, right? What we're talking about here is is having a relationship and really being able to talk with your advisor uh, before you make an investment of any kind. So big picture, we saw some really great improvement. However, um, there are some areas that I think we can still work on. Um, Almost half of Canadian investors are not aware of direct and indirect fees, which um, is also important to understand. And there was also a decline in how satisfied investors were with their relationship with their advisors. Mm. And in Alberta, satisfaction declined from 
eighty-five percent in twenty sixteen to eighty-one percent. So there's still a vast number. That's still a big number, eighty-one percent. But still, we saw a decline in that. So I think those are really important results that I think it's worthy having this conversation about. Why is that, Hillary? Why did we see a decline with satisfaction? Although eighty-one percent is a good number, as a as an absolute number, but we've seen a decline. Why do you yeah. think we've we've seen that decline, and what's been some of the feedback? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I, I think the sense that I'm getting, and of course I don't know every every example, but I'm 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 what that result tells me is that I'm getting really curious about how much are investors looking at this as a relationship, an ongoing conversation, one where you can reach out and you can ask information, and and that person is available to you and explains things and is transparent and does provide you the information that you're looking for. And, and I, you know, some of the feedback that I know I've heard in some cases is sometimes it's hard to get a hold of that person. It's hard to talk to them. It's hard. Mm-hmm. They're not always accessible. Um, and, and I would probably say there's on the flip side, there's lots of investors who maybe aren't as engaged as they could be in their investments, right? They just enter into it, give them money and, you know, sort of carry on with life and they're busy with life. Let's face it. There's lots of pressures in the world today, right? So, um, so I, I think there's a real opportunity there for, for this relationship uh, to be something that people consciously build. You make a really interesting point, and and I'm going to try to connect a few points here um, just through anecdotal evidence, and I don't know if the uh, empirical evidence that you have supports this, but uh, this notion of relationship and then fees raises a question in my mind about value. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you say things like, um, you you know, you've heard where people are frustrated if they can't get a hold of their advisor or advisory team, um, or it's a service issue, right? They don't get back to me in time, or they're not communicating me through a pandemic when things are going crazy. To me, mm-hmm. to me, the what we have to do as a, as an industry, Faisal, you opine on this as well, mm-hmm. is that the, the the transparency that we talk about, whether it's transparency in fees, it's transparency in the service offering and setting the proper expectations, it's the transparency in uh, who you're working for. Like, it is it anybody or is it a specific group are you specializing in an area all of those things to me get tied together and ultimately an investor a consumer of any kind not just in our industry has Mm -hmm. to make a decision about are they receiving value well here here's where the interesting thing about our industry is it's happening is is that they the industry and the investor are tying in the cost of ownership of the investment and the mm-hmm. compensation of the advisor. Those are two yes. separate things. How the compensation happens to the advisor is through the investment, either a direct pay, you're mm-hmm. getting billed or invoiced in your accounts, or through a mechanism of the investment that you hold that pays the advisor. The conversation needs to be in two different parts. Is yes. the cost for, like, like, like Hillary, is the cost for the investment needs to be discussed first? And then here's, yes. and, and I'll use us, Dave, here's our fee, and this is what we do. We actually put this in a chart and have our, have our clients look at it and agree to it prior to any investing that we do. This is our fee, and this mm-hmm. is how we get compensated from you, the investor, and now yeah. the conversation of value can be determined. Right, fair. 
Yeah, fair. Yes. Hillary, yeah. In, our, in, in our industry, as advisors, do you think that the advising community is breaking down the difference between what the advisor's service fee is versus what the cost of ownership for the investment is? That's a great question. And I don't, I don't have the best answer for that right now. But what I would say, the sense that I'm getting is that kind of detail is not is not something that's readily or easily discussed. Either, um, either the investor isn't asking for that information and understanding that difference, and they're not asking about it, or or it's not even. And that, and that to me should be a fundamental part of the conversation. Even when you start working with that advisor, right? Yeah. What is? How do you charge me for um, for your advice? Right. That's why I'm working with you. There's right. other options out there in the world, but I've chosen you and I want to understand how I compensate you. So that's a fundamental conversation that should happen at the beginning. And I'm not I'm not sure that uh, and maybe it does at the beginning. But over time, right, a year goes by, two yeah. years go by. Do you remember that? So yeah. is this a conversation that you're having on a reoccurring basis? Right. Then, you know, I don't mean every conversation, but just. Just to touch base, right? Has anything Absolutely. changed in the last year? So, Hillary, we've got about 20 seconds left before we have okay. to go to commercial break. Let's yeah. give these listeners of the show two or three questions that they need to ask their advisor when they're sitting down talking about their portfolio, their retirement, their their future. Yeah, Great. So, number one, are you registered? Because you, they have to be registered in the province of Alberta. To do that so first question most important number number two what are the fees associated with both your advice and the products that i'm looking at please tell me that and third is this investment suitable for me does this you know what my goals are you know what i'm trying to achieve is this truly suitable for me let's have that conversation those are those are the top three questions that i think are most important for everyone to ask Hillary, we have to go to commercial break, but I want to bring you back soon so we can talk about the word suitable, because I mm -hmm. think that's the next phase of transparency and discussion between advisor and client. And is is the word suitable uh, has has I think an ambiguous meaning. Yeah, what does it mean? And, yeah. and so what what's the uh, what's the real meaning from an investor perspective, not an advisor perspective? And that's the next set, le uh, level of education we can give our listeners. Hillary, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Happy to come back anytime. Sounds good. We've been joined by Hillary McMeekin, Director of Communications and Investor Education at the Alberta Securities Commission. My friend, we've got to make sense of all this stuff, educate people about the process, what's suitable, how to build it, and how to protect yourselves against the volatility in the markets at our next webinar. Full transparency on Tuesday, September 22nd, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Is your portfolio going to get crushed if we get a Democratic president? Let's talk about that after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, this segment's going to be a good one because I'm going to hit you right off the bat, Faisal, that if we get a Democratic president here in November, the markets are tanking. It's over. It's Every, over. Everybody knows equities oh are going down. Oh, my God. Be careful. Right. Be, are you ready? Yep. You want to know the answer right away or do you want to go through some of the data? Well, build it up a little. I'll give you a drum roll. Give me some data. Give you some data? Yeah. Okay. Let's go back since uh, 1945. Of course. Why? Because I have no life. I have to do this kind of research, right? 
In fact, when you look at the research, in all years, and I'm talking about the Standard & Poor's 500, the S&P 500 returns, okay. going back to 1945, in all years, the average rate of return of the S&P 500 is 12.6%. Okay. We're getting into an election. People are worried about this type of stuff. Yep. You know, Trump, Biden, who's going to win, and what's the impact? And people are actually keeping money off the table. Well, and the price of options, right, protecting, uh, are going higher, right, as we get closer to the, the election. The cost of insurance yeah. for things to go down if there yeah. was one or the other. Vegas is getting involved on the bets on that. Yeah. So let me go through some of the data since 1945. If we've had a Republican president, yeah. average rate of return during a Republican president, 10.56%. Historically. Historically, going back to 1945. Okay. A Democrat? 14.88%. The Democrats actually do better for the stock market than the Republicans do. Oh, boy. I hope there's no um, Republicans listening. I, I, my job is to report the news, not to create it. Okay? So I'm just telling you what the data says. Okay. Right. So now when we look at historical data, do we place our money based on historical data? Maybe. Do we place our money mm. on what we think is going to happen if Biden gets in, Trump gets reelected, and so forth? Okay, so... Maybe. But no, no. Uh, economic growth, market fundamentals, earnings growth, valuations, that's what we invest in. And okay. here's what I said to our clients, <clears throat> and I'm going to send that video out to them. I said this. There are two facts that we have for sure. Number one, that there's an election in the United States every four years. Mm -hmm. Number two. Although Trump might try to change that. Well, okay. Right now, just <laughs> okay, report okay. the news. Okay. Don't create oh, okay. it. Okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> so right now, election every four years. Yeah. Right now, we know the economy goes in cycles. Right. Now, sometimes those cycles coincide. Right. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, right. And so when you're investing, well, when we invest for our clients... We invest on the economic cycles. We do not invest on the president, the prime minister, or any other political figure mm -hmm. because the economy and how the economy is moving will dictate how companies make money, right. which will dictate their profits, which is how we make money for our clients when we're investing in the stock market. Right. And listen, we're not suggesting that, that um, a public policy, like new uh, uh, presidential or... You know, administration policy can't have an effect that's because it can have an effect on the economic cycle and so on and so forth so we're not saying that but it, it was only four years ago do you remember leading up to the uh, the election the uh, uh clinton and do you remember Trump? at the time of the election and yeah. as the results were coming in we were looking at the futures market and the options yep. and so forth yep. and you and i were texting a little bit yep. back and forth wow it was crazy wasn't it but but do you remember so i want to take you back remember there's a so one of our clients had called, and, and I know you'll remember this, how concerned he was about uh, about a Trump win, right? And what was going to happen and so on and so forth. How concerned the markets were, the volatility in the futures markets, all of these things. And what happened after it? <laughs> it just went straight up. Yeah. So you, we have to be very careful. We talk about this a lot, right? We talk about this all the time. There's not one single factor that drives markets. I mean, it can on a short-term, very short-term basis, create volatility, yes. Okay? But it is not about who's president, right? It's a much bigger picture than that. 
and you have to be very careful um, about trying to make all-in bets on anything, including a four-year presidential cycle. Man, the research that we have, and I, and I gave you a copy of it, on all the different combinations that can happen in an election. Right. Um, Democrat, Republican, Democrat president, Republican Congress, Congress yeah. Re Republican president, uh, Democrat Congress, full sweep, all these different combinations. Right. The differential isn't that big. Right. It is not that big. It's not like it's a 5 or 10% differential right. between one scenario to the other, which goes back to our thesis that economics leads the, the markets, not the president, right. not Congress, because right. they only have a certain amount of influence right. on the economy. Right. They're not the economy. Right. And that's where I think listeners of this show should take away, because when we manage money, Dave, I don't think we've ever sat down and said, hey, so-and-so is going to be the next president or coming back into term. Let's invest the following. Right. Well, in fact, if you would have asked me in the last presidential cycle, I'd have been wrong. So having this conversation with this client, he was right on Trump. I was wrong. I thought the polls were going to tell him. So if we had acted on that, we would have been totally wrong. Yeah. Right? And with Obama. Right. And although he got the president right, his thesis was entirely wrong about what happened. And so the result he was trying to protect against, because Trump was going to be elected, which means this, was totally wrong. Correct. So why put your retirement at risk? And, and when, I'll talk risk in two different factions, two factors. Number one is risk by saying, I'm going to make a decision on my portfolio based upon what I think the outcome is going to be. Mm -hmm. Or not do anything. Take paralysis mm, yeah. or deferral. Because there's a lot of people with cash sitting on the sidelines saying, I'm waiting for the election. Yep. What will the election tell you? Right. What's the outcome? Right. If Trump gets reelected, what are you saying? Everything's going to be what? Yeah. If Biden gets elected, everything's like, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of pressure to put on one outcome. Yeah, and it's never one outcome. That's, Correct. That's the point. And what's going to happen with the coronavirus add so to that? What's going to happen? Yeah. So why not have a disciplined approach to how you invest? Yeah. There's a lot of people in this country that have cash sitting on the sidelines and they want to deploy. Why can't we go back to fundamentals? Mm -hmm. Are these companies that I'm buying good companies that grow their earnings through the economic cycle that will make me money? Right. Why isn't that the question? Right. Why is it always, well, what's Trump going to do about this? And what's Biden going to do about this? And what about our prime minister and our premier? And I'm like, what? Right. I've never heard anybody buy a business. I'm talking about a business owner in this city or in this country. Buy strictly based upon who the president of the United States is. Or buy their business purely based upon who the prime minister is. I've heard rumblings. Right. Oh, if so-and-so sure. gets elected, I'm selling my business. Right. Nah, hardly happens. Right. Yeah, not very often. But we do that with the stock market like it, it, it's, it's not the same thing. It right. is the same thing. Yep. So, okay, I, you know, I, I think it's this, whether it's the presidential election cycle, whether it is the coronavirus, whether it is whatever, pick your poison, like it, whatever it is that you're focused on that's a problem today yeah. that you're worried about, okay? Um, it is an important element of thinking through it, right? You need to have a thesis. You need to have a probability of different outcomes. Correct. But that's the discipline. Right, that that's what you have to put into into play. And you know, we've we've been quite vocal about this. We're not 
we're, we don't run the kind of practice where you make a big bet on anything, right? We've just been in this business for too long to know that, that there are so many moving pieces that you can't anticipate. You have to underweight and overweight and not make giant so bets. so many places around the world you can make money. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to pick one outcome like a U.S. election is going to kill the entire stock market around the world. All right. of these 100,000 companies are going to go well, negative right. for a long period of time right. because of a change in price. Are you sure? Right. right. Yeah, you just, you, you've got to take the emotion out. You need the discipline, and then you need the probabilities, right? And Come let's talk about how we do our discipline. What's our five-pillar investment strategy approach to bulletproof your retirement? We're going to talk about that on our seminar, Tuesday, September 22nd, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register to, to uh, attend. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. And, you know, Faisal, we want to support the Alberta Securities Commission and all the commissions across Canada in educating, in transparency, and in helping people. And that's what this session is about, right? It's understanding a structure and a discipline for a very specific group of people at a very specific time the in their life. The more education we give to our listeners, the more empowered they will be through their retirement. Yep. And that's that's our way of saying that we want to impact and help all those individuals transitioning to or living in retirement with some of the biggest issues, concerns, and risks going forward in their life, and I'm yep. so glad we can do that. We look forward to chatting with you. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR, and uh, we'll, ch- we'll chat with you again next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.